You're listening to Average Joe Sports Talk Podcast with your boy Eman. Yo, what is up, everybody? Your boy Eman coming at you. Average Joe Sports Talk. Check it out. It's been a minute, almost a month. since the last time I actually published an episode, but I'm back with the heat. Nothing but NBA action. Got the latest fire for you. Giving you my NBA takeaways for the first half of the season. Got a lot of stuff to go over. It's going to be quick, rapid, blazing stats like I always come with. And uh, I think everybody's going to be entertained. There was a lot of things that happened this NBA season. You know, we actually started later than usual due to last season's COVID-19 pandemic. And this year, there's been a lot of changes. Everybody's playing in their own um, in their own arenas and there's traveling. So there is more of a of a scenario relating COVID-19 in order to uh, maintain the exposure of COVID for these players and the fans and all that good stuff a little better. And I think the NBA has done an okay job so far. Uh, you ha- you got to get issues regardless, just like the NFL. You got to cancel games and make them up. But I think it hasn't been horrible. I don't think it's been that impactful in the sense that has made everybody run for the hills and try to cancel the season. So far, so good. Today is Saturday, March 6th, standing here one day before the um, All-Star game. I don't know. Man. At least we're getting an All-Star game. Put it that way. I'm not a fan of the one-day cele- you know, celebrations. You could have you split Saturday night like you always do. Don't get that one. I don't care. At the end of the day, we're still getting an All-Star game, and that's pretty cool. So first half of the season's come and gone, and All-Star game is here. Not going to talk about the All-Star snubs and who should have been there and who should be there. Bro, that's always the way it is. It's politics involves always with uh, voting, coaches, and all that good stuff. It really doesn't matter. But what does matter to me is I got about I got about seven or eight strong points, takeaways, right, that I noticed throughout the season. I was writing uh, I was writing my lineup here for this uh, episode, episode 102, bringing the heat, baby. I'm going to say right now, there are some if and buts, right, at the beginning of the season that have kind of been answered halfway through. But the first, my, my first takeaway is in the West, there's one sleeper, one sleeper team that if they get in and currently they are tied for, um, I guess, tied for eighth. And if they get in, whoever they're facing the first round, it's going to be a tough out. And I'm talking about the Golden State Warriors. Come on. Steph Curry is back, ladies and gentlemen. And if you don't, you got to get off the hate train of Steph Curry. I did a, I did a, you know, a segment on him earlier during the year. And look, they are back. They have been playing tough ball. Again, that team is not that great. I mean, with Klay Thompson, that team is top four. No doubt about it. Top four in the West with Klay and the team. But Steph has been playing out of his mind. It's a tough team to play because in the playoffs, you know the intensity turns up a little bit. And they have that Golden State mentality defense, right? Situational defense. I think Golden State is very underrated. And rightfully so. Because it's the crowded West. I mean, you got Utah, for Pete's sake, up there on top. And the Phoenix Suns, right? And the Lakers are three, and we know why. But don't sleep on the Lakers, boys and girls. I mean, on the... I'm sorry. Don't sleep on the Golden State Warriors, boys and girls, because if they got a, if they're the eighth or the seventh seed, honestly, if they, if they, if they're the seventh seed, I don't think they got the, the, the crowded, you know, the, the West is too strong. If they get to the seventh seed, the second seed is going to be in trouble. All right. 
And if today the season ended, they'll be playing Utah in the first round. I would call that an upset because Utah is finishing in the first is the top seed. The season ended today and they had to play the Golden State Warriors, obviously is a tiebreaker between Dallas and them. I think the Utah Jazz get upset in the first round. Don't sleep on the Golden State Warriors. If they make it to the playoffs, they're going to be a problem. It is what it is. No doubt about it. I'm going to hit you with my contenders. Who is the chip going to be? It's going to be decided. Who's going to represent each each conference, uh, West and East, a little later in the segment. But don't sleep on the Golden State Warriors. They will be a problem. Let's talk about some MVP numbers here, man. We got we to chat MVP. And I'm going to give you my picks, right? I'm going to give you four players. Any of these four players right now, depending on how well they're doing the season, are in it to win it. I'm telling you, they're in it to freaking win it. We have four players that are seriously a huge factor to their team. Now, before I proceed, let me give you what the MVP award, the most valuable player means to me. Yes, there is a part of it that you need to give it to to the team wins. How effective is this guy for his team? But also is the most valuable player, meaning also who's the best player in your team or in the league. Also, you got to take a look at the numbers. Okay? So I'm going to give you four names, and I'm going to get a little bit of heat with one of them. And of course, you probably got to get some heat for not mentioning one of them. But here it is, no particular order. I'm going to give you four names, and I'm going to tell you why. These four cats, to me, are in the conversation of MVP so far, uh, be, you know, for the first half of the season. Bradley Beal. You can't hate on Bradley Beal. I know his team is like not even in the top eight. They're four, they got 14 wins. But Bradley Beal is playing the best basketball of his career. 32.9 points a game, almost 33, 5.4 rebounds, 4.7 assists. The guy's been balling. He's a walking bucket, has had game winners. Dude, he has to be in the conversation regardless of team freaking record. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear that. I know LeBron should be in this place because of the way he's playing at 36. LeBron has Antonio has uh, Anthony Davis. And you've seen what happens when Davis is uh, injured so far. A little bit of a hiccup they had in the season. But no, I got Bradley Beal because the kid is a walking bucket. Been playing out of his mind. Every team right now wants to like go after this kid and be able to trade for him. He is a, right now, the best player in the league this year. And he deserves to be in the MVP conversation. Next, my other MVP choice is, who's in it to win, is Joel Embiid. Listen, Joel Embiid has had his best statistical season. Actually came in in shape. I think he was in shape when he started the season. And has been playing like a man possessed. Okay, it's huge. It's huge for Joel Embiid right now, the way he's played. 30 points a game, 11 rebounds, oh, 11 and a half, and 3.3 assists. And this is what I love about Joel Embiid's game right now. This year, Joel Embiid is shooting and mind-blowing for a center, 41.6% from three, 52% field goal percentage overall, 85 from the free throw line. The man's getting his buckets, getting his buckets from all over the place. He's practically right now unguardable. He is having a heck of a season. I think right now, no disrespect to Nikola Jokic, he is the best center in the league. And also a top four MVP candidate in my book. Philly is, I believe, on top of the East. 
with, uh, you know, under new head coach, Doc Rivers. You know, I don't know how much more they're going to be successful because the Nets are right behind them and, you know, they're stacked. The Nets are stacked. But so far, so good. First, first half of the season, he is in the conversation in my book. He is really having an unbelievable season and is translating into wins and success for the 76ers. Next, I got big game Dame. I mean, what he's doing right now with McCullough out is pretty impressive. That team is not that great. They have some good pieces, but they didn't improve year over year. They didn't really get better. And with injuries, Dame time is doing what he's supposed to be doing, what he's done of his career, hitting game winner after game winner this year so far, reliving, exercising Dame time. And this guy always is the most underrated, not only point guard, but player in the league and is constantly being one of the greatest leaders for his team. And he practically has a team on his back. You take Dame Litter out of the game and just say McCullough was there playing two guard and now without him, that team would not be under five, would not be over 500. That team would not be right now uh, sitting at number five in the crowded and tough West. Let's keep it freaking real, boys and girls. All right. Dame, again, has always been a scoring guard. 29.8 points per game, almost 30. All right. 4.3 rebounds, eight assists. He does it all for his team. But most important, he's getting game winners. Shooting a little bit lower uh, from three, which is 38.8 and 44 from um, field goal overall, but, you know, free throw 93%. And again, game winners has been the reason. He's the reason why he hits these clutch threes down the stretch. At the end of the game, the dagger threes, step back. I mean, it's hard to, to guard game. Dame, I mean, Damian Lillard when he's in the zone. And right now, this kid is in the zone. And again, uh, look, the Portland Trailblazers, again, are sitting at number five in the West. That right there is a really, really good sign and a good measure for why he should be there. Again, great individual stats, which is to me the most valuable player MVP. You got to be the best player with the best individual stats. Great individual stats, probably top four in the league right now, stats-wise, but also translating into wins like Envy. And my last uh, cat here for... Uh, that should be in the MVP conversation. I gave you four. Definitely has to be one of the most hated players in the league right now. Who's always been hated. Stephen Curry. Okay. There is, there is no reason why this guy should not be in the conversation. And we need to stop giving this kid so much hate. Steph is at 29.7 points per game. 6.3 assists. Five rebounds. Has some clutch moments. Hits him in big shots. I mean, he's shooting 41 from three, a little lower, 47 overall. Not usually as high as he usually does. But, dude, he is, he is carrying that team on his back. There's nobody else in that squad. Draymond is going to do Draymond things. Draymond is the, the enforcer, the cleanup guy, the garbage guy, and that does all the little things. James Weissman hasn't pan out what they thought he was going to be just yet. Uh, Oubre and Wiggins are nice additions. But, again, there are no... Clay Thompson, who plays both sides of the floor or the ball, one of the best defenders and one of the best shooters in the history of the game. Trust me, with Clay and this team, Stets' numbers would probably be better. And number two, they would probably be top four in the West. No doubt about it. Again, Steph is going to be a problem the rest of the season. 
He's also got to be a problem if the Dallas makes, if that, if, if, I'm sorry, not Dallas. Dallas is actually tied for eight. If the Golden State Warriors make the playoffs. Yo, listen. Again, as I mentioned earlier, if the season ended today and the Golden State Warriors get in at number eight, they'll be knocking out the Utah Jazz. All right? In the first round. My other biggest takeaway is what I call pretenders and fluffing, right? And that's the Utah Jazz. No disrespect to the Jazz. Good team. They're 27 and 9. Yo, legit wins. They're playing good. But we've seen this before from the Jazz. They're not going to make it past the second round of the playoffs. It is what it is. To me, they're not the biggest surprise of the season. I think they're just pretenders. They're not for real. They just, it's a good story right now. Lots of fluff. That's what I see it. It's like stat padding. That's what I call the Utah Jazz. They look good on paper. They look good on the regular season. Averaging 116 points per game. Saladido, 107, 107. They're giving up only 107 points, which is for these days, it, these days standard NBA, that's pretty darn good. But right now, the Utah Jazz are just pretenders and are just noise for the regular season. My other takeaway is the Lakers, and this is no surprise. If Anthony Davis is healthy, the Lakers are going to finish number one in the West, as they were most of the season before Anthony Davis went down. And they're going to be a problem in the playoffs. But if Anthony Davis is not there, the Lakers are going to struggle. They will make the playoffs, but they're going to have a problem uh, staying in it. And with Anthony Davis being healthy, I think the chip of the West, the title of the West, it's going to be between the LA Lakers and the LA Clippers. I'm going to stick with the Clippers again. On paper, they look great. They're just coasting right now. And I think when the playoffs run this year, unlike last year, there's not a lot of uh, issues with um, family problems and Montrose Harold. I think the chemistry is going gonna, is gonna to actually go ahead and, and become better with both of them. I, I don't think you're going to have the same baggage starting the playoffs. And I think Kawhi Leonard is going to be a little more prepared and probably in better shape. Um, so I think it has to, it, to me, again, it's between the Clippers and the Lakers. Anthony Davis is a huge uh, determinator and nominator in order to, to determine the success of the Lakers. And if he's healthy, yeah, the Lakers are a problem. Nothing against the King, man. He's playing uh, 25 points something a game, a bunch of assists, a bunch of rebounds, doing it at 36 years old. It is, you know, it's, it's, un, it's unheard of. It's unreal. Nobody has done this type of level of play in the history of the NBA by this age and this consistency. But at the end of the day, man, that team is not that good. It's not that good. You need Anthony Davis for the Lakers to beat the Clippers in the Western Conference Final. Going back to the East, okay? Definitely has to be between Philly, the 76ers, and the Nets. I think the Nets are going to play a lot better in the second half of the season. Looking at this, even with not having the big three and Harden, uh, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie ever playing a lot of games together yet? Because they really haven't played that many games together. I mean, each guy takes like another night off or somebody's injured here and there. Even with them not three gelling yet, it's scary. They're only one game behind out of the top stop in the uh, top spot in the uh in the in the east. So right behind Philly. And look, yes, they won't be able to play. There's no defense being played whatsoever there. Like I said earlier, but man, they do score in many, many different ways. And even if it's just Durant and Harden, I think there's still going to be a problem in the East. Even if it's just Kyrie and Durant, 
Kyrie and Harden, I think there's gonna be they're gonna be a problem in the East. Again, I have, I don't I don't trust Kyrie Irving, his physical and mental mental capacity or 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 durability of it because the guy either flakes out mentally, he gets sensitive about something, or he gets hurt, which has happened. So far, Kyrie after LeBron James hasn't been very successful, and this should be a year that he should vindicate that, but we don't know. Because Kyrie, right now for that team, Kyrie is the wild card. We know Harden's going to play hard and he's going to play the rest of the season. He's not going to quit unless he wants to get traded like he just did for the Houston Rockets. Sorry. Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant. He's healthy. He's going to play 110%. He did it in Oklahoma City. He went to the fucking, um, uh, to the uh, Warriors and did that. There's no quitting on Kevin Durant because he has too much pride. Kyrie, on the other hand, even if it's not hurt, he'll go into his little space cadets, walks on the moon of Kyrie land inside his head and wig out and don't come back and sit out the rest of the season because that's what Kyrie does. The dude is not all right in his head. There's definitely a problem. The elevator does not go to the top floor in Kyrie Irving's head, and that's a problem, and that's going to be a a factor. We got to be serious about this. It's going to be a factor about the Nets being successful. Woo, man, I told you, I got a lot of NBA heat, man. I'm not done yet. I am not done yet. And I got a couple of more takeaways, man. My biggest surprise of the first half. Biggest surprise of the first half are my New York Knicks. Look, for the first time in a very long time, and I know the Knicks, I think it was 2013, they were like number two in the West at this time of year. It was the first time, first time they were over 500, 2012, 2013. I don't even remember that, how bad this team has been. But yeah, the New York Knicks are number five in the, in the East. And one game over 500. I know it doesn't mean a lot. I know it's the East. I know it's not... The, You're not going crazy with it, but look, it's fun. It's fun watching Knicks basketball again. Julius Randle is deserving of of being an all-star. A 23.2 a game, 11 boards, five assists. I mean, the guy's leading in three categories for his team. A lot better defense is being played. You know, so better defense is being played. And that's that's really good because that's Knicks basketball. One thing, guys, I know the Knicks haven't won a championship in forever, the last time they were successful and relevant was the New York Knicks of the of the uh, 90s and the early 2000 run when Patrick Ewing was already an old man and Allen Houston was hitting buckets. You know, that good old Knicks defense that would not scare, that would actually give Michael Jordan and the booze a lot of competition. That you know, Those days were the glory days, the days I grew up watching the Knicks as a diehard Knicks fan. But this may not resemble that, but it's good to have a more bu- you know buzz again and winning in Madison Square Garden because, look, the Knicks are blue bloods, like the Lakers, like the Celtics, or like the 76ers. They win. The NBA is better, more popular. People tune in more because it's the Mecca, man. It's Madison Square Garden. Even though as shitty as New York is right now, you know, with all the issues politic- politics-wise, unemployment, the coronavirus death, I mean, the, the town looks like a freaking shithole. I'm glad I live in Florida now. And I love New York to death, but I wouldn't see myself living there. The Knicks being relevant again is going to be a way that's going to help this city get out of all the issues and all the troubles and all the financial issues they're having in mental state, right? But also helps the NBA overall because the Knicks are a brand, man. They're one of the blue bloods. It's one of the one of the kings, and it's great. R.J. Barrett is having a decent second season of 16 points a game. Look, that's what you get from R.J. Barrett. R.J. is no Zion. R.J. is going to be a 17-point-a-game guy. You know, he got to have that one season that he might average 21, and that's good, man. You don't need any more than that. I think Derrick Rose has been a decent pickup. Uh, he's got to get more minutes, but look, quickly, IQ, he's he's actually a very good surprise at 12 points a game. He should get more playing time. All right, and then you have um, the rookie, 
Uh, Obi Toppin, I like that. He's he's gonna get more and more minutes now, as he was actually has only played ten games, and he's gonna get a little more playing time. All right, and it's gonna be nice. I think this kid is gonna be another another great role player in his career. Um, again, we have leadership on the bench from Austin Rivers. There's a lot of little pieces for you know Nolan's Noel, great defense. There's a lot of good pieces. I mean, Robinson right now is hurt, who's been having a monster season defensively. But Julius Randle is what makes this team run. And I'm happy for Julius because he's always been one of those good NBA players that got traded from the Lakers, then got traded from the Pelicans, but has always been a guy that's put in the work, has always come to play, always takes good care of himself in the offseason and practice hard in the offseason. And you could tell his game has improved year. He's been in the league for like seven years. And his game has improved year over year. And it's nice to see this kid getting a shot to and put the numbers that, you know what? Nobody ever thought he can, but even though his work throughout his career has pointed that his kid could be an all-star. And I'm happy for Julius Randle, happy for the Knicks. To me, it's the biggest surprise of the first half of the NBA season. It's the New York Knicks right now at number five in the East and one game over 500. I know, I'm really excited about that. One game over 500. But you know what? It is what it is. Much love to the New York Knicks, and I'm sorry, Tibbs. I know I made fun of you the hiring at the beginning of the year, but Tom Thibodeau has done a great job. And talking about surprises, right? I can admit when I'm wrong. You've seen me say it a few times in this podcast. I'm not afraid of not being wrong and not being right all the time. I'm not right all the time either. I mean, I lose against my wife all the time. I lose at work. I mean, it doesn't matter. Nobody's perfect. But right now, my top rookie of the year is definitely LaMelo Ball. I've been knocking this family for a while. I'm not a fan of the dad. Look, I think Leangelo is never, was never going to make it past college. He was just, that was just another legacy by UCLA. And then he left because of the whole, you know, China stealing purse deal, right? And Lonzo, always called him broke shot Lonzo, uh, underachieved Lonzo because guess what? The kid has like a split personality, man. He has all the tools and comes into plays whenever he wants and doesn't really, hasn't broken out yet. Even with his new start, in the in New Orleans. But LaMelo Ball has proved me completely wrong in the first half of the season. I thought he was going to be another Lonzo, a little more athletic, even though I, I always said this kid is probably the best player out of the three brothers, probably the most athletic. Maybe not so much athletic as Lonzo, but probably has the more skills out of all of them. And I'm wrong. And I was wrong. In the sense of I said this kid's going to struggle, right? He hasn't. At 15.8 points a game, six rebounds and three, 6.3 assists, it's pretty darn decent. All right. I mean, these numbers don't blow you out the water, but he's a rookie. The kid is only, what, 19? He's 19 years old, I think. I don't even know. I, I don't see his age here. But yeah, he's very young. He's, yeah, he's 19 years old. And what impressed me the most is that he's shooting 40, 44.9% from the field. This guy didn't play in college. He did play overseas. And also shooting 37.8 from three. A key stat right here, 80.2 from the free throw. Better than his brother. Uh, Lonzo, which by the way, their head-to-head matchup, LaMelo schooled the crap out of his older brother. And another thing that his success has translated to has been into the, into the Charlotte Hornets, who are number seven in the West. I know the West, I mean the East, I'm sorry. I know the East is crappy and it's a shit show, but LaMelo has made that team better. Scary Terry had some great shots. They picked up, um, uh, what's my boy's name from, uh, from Butler? I can't, I can't remember his name right now. Role players like PJ Washington. I mean, you got you got other uh, you got what's his name Bridges. You got some really good players in that team, and there's a lot of young talent. And I think Lamelo has been the glue 
has been the glue to this squad in order to play this this high. I'm sorry, Gordon Hayward. I mean, Gordon Hayward is averaging 21 and a half points per game and Rozier 20.5. And LaMelo has been a good addition because he's like the engine, bro. He's the one that pumps. He's the gas, baby. He's the one that gets everything running. And the beneficiaries have been Hayward, Rozier, um, and, and Miles Bridges. So there's a lot of young talent in this team, man. And for once, the GOAT, Michael Jordan, who hasn't been a GOAT after his NBA career, has actually picked something right. Azul has made a right draft pick. I think Kemba was the best Hornets player under, uh, under Michael Jordan, but LaMelo is going to outdo this because LaMelo is a multifaceted player. If LaMelo was a, f- a baseball player, he could be a 5-2 player. Can hit, pitch, I mean, can hit, run, catch, um, you know, hit for power, hit for singles, that kind of stuff. LaMelo, I, I was wrong. I, I think the kid has translated. It's still the first half. I may be right after his career is over, right? But LaMelo has been a, a very nice surprise and was a steal of the draft for the for the, uh, for the the Charlotte Hornets, which were playing great basketball, fun basketball. A lot of fun plays, a lot of laughs to Bridges, all right? A lot of laughs to Graham. A lot of, a lot of good highlights when you watch the the Hornets you you didn't think of the Hornets of a team exciting to watch you, we, they, they should be put on TV a little more because LaMelo should be rookie of the year and he's my rookie of the year in the first half hands down not even close Edwards or the other guys non-existent I think LaMelo is your top-notch rookie of the year so far teams that you really apart from the Golden State Warriors and I forgot to miss this a little bit that you got to be careful. If they get hot in the second game, of the, in the second half of the season, that are going to be a little bit of a problem in the, the playoffs that may surprise somebody in the first round. Um, there's, there's a couple of them, right? And, and I definitely think that one of those teams might be who's playing actually really good basketball after starting really, really bad is the, um, is the Pelicans. The New Orleans Pelicans are right now 15 and 21, but they've played a lot better. All right, and they are they lost two in a row, but then they get into like a seven game winning streak. Them and the and the Memphis Grizzlies are going to be two teams that you got to be careful. I mean, they could sneak into the playoffs because they got players. They had a lot of people with injuries. They could they could sneak in there. I mean, Dallas hasn't been playing great this season. Uh, they won three in a row to end the season, and the last ten they're eight and two. I think Dallas is going to move up. Uh, Luca again. I didn't put him in the MVP conversation because Luca is always going to do Luca things. He's picking it up. He might be in this conversation before the year's over, folks, because that's what Luca does. But I think the Memphis Grizzlies and the Pelicans are going to sneak up into the eighth spot, one of those two teams, and they would be a tough matchup in the first round. So with that being said, the chain, the shackles, which you want to call it, I guess the, the jacket, you know, the what you call that jacket when you go to a nut house, you know, the constraining jacket. My man has been freed. No more restrictions for my man Zion Williamson. And it's a beautiful thing to watch, man. This year, Zion Williamson has been glory and is living up to every expectation from last year's draft. If you know last year, he was really restrained. He was barely playing. Restraining his minutes, even in, even when they made when they were in the bubble. But Zion is loose, my friend, at thirty three point one minutes per game as opposed to twenty four last year. My man is loose. He's averaging twenty five point six a game, catching bodies all over the NBA, because that's what he does. He catches bodies. Don't jump a Zion. 
He's bringing the post game back. He's going to be that's going to make post players come back eventually. Maybe not 100% because the three is still going to rule the league. But he's back. He's unstoppable in that post. And when I mean post, man, Zion has shown his whole tool bag. 25.6 points per game, seven rebounds. I mean, he is playing whatever, what I thought he, he, should, he was able to do. Um, love the fact that he's unguardable when he gets down to that paint. Zion can switch hands. I mean, insane. With his vertical, his lift, his size, the way he's getting off the ground. Nobody can, I mean, he, Zion is only, I mean, Zion is what, like 6'7", listed at 6'7"? I think that's what it is. He's listed at 6'7", if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, at 284. Yeah, don't be surprised. Zion is only like really 6'6". But first step, if, you, if you've seen some Pelican games, because they're pulling a lot of Pelican, they're actually displaying a lot of these games on TV. And his first step off the dribble for a guy that size, it's over. He gets by you, doesn't matter who's down there, he's going to get clamped on. Whether it's he's going to get dunked on, he's going to draw the foul. I mean, I've seen some plays where, bro, a 6'10 guy jumps up with him, draws contact with Zion. Zion scores. And the one that's on the ground is a 6'10 defender that's jumping with the momentum over Zion. And you know what's scary? 25.6 a game? It's not even his freaking ceiling. I mean, he hasn't developed a consistent outside shot. He still has that ugly, ugly jump shot, which he's got to get better at. This past season was all about his conditioning. If he puts the body of work, which I think I know he can, Zion can be a 28, 28 and nine guy. His game is not rebounding. His game is scoring and scoring that he does in many, many ways. And as better and the better his outside shot improves, he's going to become a little more difficult. Free throw, because he gets a lot to the line. So his free throw percentage right now is low. He needs to be about close to 80 or 77. Close to 80. He got, he's got to get close to 80. He's got to get to 80%. He's probably going to increase that outside shot by a few percentages and you could add the next of the, the other five points or four points to his career average, I mean, to his scoring average. It's fun to watch him, man. He's catching bodies. His, his plays, his highlights, man, whether it's a layup or, I mean, just he just athletically insane, man. He goes in there. He's able to switch hands in midair with the ball. I mean, he's really fun to watch and it's beautiful to watch and I love it. I, I, I'm, I'm a Zion fan, like the kid, like where he comes from. He's a good old dude. And the fact that they got him loose, there's no more restraints on Zion, it is a, it's good for the NBA. It's really good for the NBA. It's really good for being that talk. As LeBron is ending his career, it's nice to see Luka, Zion, all right, and that conversational mix of the next up. I think it's really, really nice. Whew, had a lot of, had a lot of content for you today, man, and... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit out of breath here, but had too much NBA, man. I mean, it's going to get more NBA, more NBA content because, you know, the NFL season is over and I'm going to try to keep keep pumping this content out there. So to close out the show, um, I want to shout out and uh, wish uh, the Rush Limbaugh family my condolences. Uh, rest in peace, Rush Limbaugh. Regardless of what political side you are, blue, red, Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal, whatever color in the sense of your political party is or what affiliation. This man was a pioneer in radio. 
he put AM radio on the map when it was going to be a dying art. Regardless of political views, the man created a brand that opened the door for a lot of other individuals. Uh, him and Howard Stern are the pioneers of this AM game. And this also translated because people say, well, what does it have to do with sport? The man did something that opened the doors for the Colin Cowherds of the day. All right, the Clay Travises, the Dan Levitars, um, you know, the, the, the Stephen A. Smiths. All right, all these guys that have successful radio shows in sports. Rush is a reason for that. When AM radio was going to be a dinosaur and wasn't thought off of mainstream, wasn't thought off of uh, something that people want to listen to, this man created a brand who became syndicated. He, he opened the syndication game for a lot, of, a lot of different people. Him and Howard Stern did, and he's going to be completely missed. Regardless of whatever you believe in your political views, it's not about politics. I, hate, I don't mix politics and sports. It's not my thing. But you got to get the respect for an icon in the radio biz, in the radio talk game. Rest in peace to, to Rush Limbaugh. My deepest condolences to his family. He epitomizes freedom of speech. In the sense of, until his last breath, the man was behind the mic as long as there was winds in his pipes. And, uh, yo, he died. A, he was in the radio a week before he finally died away when, after doing it for a year with, uh, you know, with his uh, illness, which I think it was cancer. It was a tumor in the lung, something like that. So, it, I know it was, he lived a year longer than he should have. Rest in peace to Rush and uh, God bless his family. But I'm back. Thank you for listening. Follow me on Twitter. Check out my TikTok page. Check out my YouTube channel. Do what you do, baby. I appreciate hollering me into the comments, baby. I mean, I just had a good week on Twitter, man. I just, I triggered a couple of cats out there when I decided to say in a tweet that, uh, you know, try to play with these young cats about uh, Space Jam being better than Space Jam 2. And I got roasted out there, man. But I got a lot of love, a lot of healthy discussions. And, um, you know, your boy on Twitter likes to kind of trigger some of these uh, young bucks who don't know nothing about basketball. Thank you for listening. Your boy E-Man signing out. Peace.